Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hello, America. Happy Monday. A big news day it is. We've got two amazing guests. First up, the former CIA station chief for Moscow, one of the true intelligence experts in the entire country. Dan Hoffman is joining us. I love having him on. He is a straight talker, gives it to us straight. He is an honest analyst broker. He knows how to read intelligence. And we're going to talk about China, Iran, North Korea, Russia, so many unstable areas of the world right now. Dan's going to bring us up to speed. What to watch for, what the CIA and the experts are watching right now. He's going to bring us up to speed of that. Then we're going to go down to the border, the Arizona border, and talk to our good friend, Sheriff Mark Lamb. He's one of the clarion voices on all things border and the impact of the Biden administration's border policies. Mark Lamb has an interesting warning for America right now, which is that the drug cartels are watching the political dynamic right now. They have a sense that maybe Republicans will win one or more of the houses of Congress, one of the chambers of Congress. And they're adapting their strategy to try to force as many people in before November 9th. That is fascinating. He's going to give us an update on that in his discussion later in the show. So two great guests, back-to-back, Dan Hoffman, Sheriff Mark Lamb. But before we get that, I want to turn to a story that we broke just this morning. It's a very important story on Just the News. And it has to do with the FBI whistleblowers. We now have obtained, at Just the News, over the weekend I obtained this, the whistleblower complaint of one of the whistleblowers, one of those 20 whistleblowers that have gone to either Chuck Grassi or Jim Jordan or Ron Johnson. This whistleblower, his name is Stephen Friend, and he works as an FBI agent in Florida. He's also a SWAT team member, and he filed a complaint last week with the Office of Special Counsel, which is the Whistleblower Protection Office here in Washington, saying that he was suspended, moved aside, when he raised concerns to his bosses that the FBI was violating the constitutional rights of January 6th defendants, that they were falsifying statistics to make the domestic extremism problem look worse than it really is in America. And here's one that you haven't heard at all. Misusing SWAT teams to go after misdemeanor suspects, misdemeanor arrests saying that that violated the FBI Diog, the Domestics Investigation Operations Guide. Fascinating. He talks about the Sixth and Eighth Amendment rights of January 6th 
defendants being violated by the way the FBI is pursuing cases. One of the ways they're doing that is that they're making it, he says it's inappropriate under the current guidelines that the FBI used to use an FBI SWAT team to arrest a subject for a misdemeanor offense. It's just that simple. That's what he says. He said there are plenty of alternatives that are safer and give more time and do a better situation of protecting security, protecting safety, and still effectuating the arrest. Now, this guy was assigned 36 January 6th investigations out of Florida alone. And he said that one of the problems is that agents in the field offices are being assigned these cases and they're being listed as the affiant for a search and arrest warrant when in fact they had not done any of the investigating. Let me read you his exact words because this has the potential to mislead the courts. If you want to know how a FISA warrant goes sideways, well, here's a potential danger that warrants in the January 6th investigation could be going sideways. There are active criminal investigations of JC subjects in which I'm listed as the case agent. That's Stephen Friend saying this, the whistleblower, but have not done any investigative work. Additionally, my supervisor has not approved any paperwork within the file. The January 6th task force members are serving as affiants on search and search warrants for the subjects whom I have never investigated or even interviewed, but I'm listed as the case agent. That is just extraordinary. It's just extraordinary to listen to that. All right, so this story is playing out. It's one of the top red stories at Justin News right now. Take a look at it tonight on the television show, Justin News Not Noise, at 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice. We're going to have one of the lawyers for Stephen Friend. He is the lawyer for the Empower Whistleblower Center. You know all about Empower Oversight. Jason Foster, former Senator Grassley's investigator, he is one of the lawyers representing Stephen Friend. He's going to come on the show, tell us about some other things going on that he's concerned about. We'll have that tonight at 6 p.m. All right, folks, let's take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors and partners when we come back. First up, Dan Hoffman, former CIA clandestine officer, followed by Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County, Arizona, two guys on the front lines of some of the most important security issues ever facing our country right after this. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating 
your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. All right, folks, anybody who's been reading the news knows what an unstable world we're in right now. There's so much going on between the war between Ukraine and Russia, China always uh, saber rattling, Iran always being a bad actor, many other things. My next guest is truly one of the most important voices in the national security intelligence space, former CIA officer, one of the most trusted voices, whether you're a Democrat, independent, Republican, because he gives information straight. No coloring of intelligence. He just gives it to you straight. We're so lucky to have him back on the show, Dan Hoffman. Dan, great to have you back on, sir. Oh, thanks a lot. Appreciate it very much. Our audience loves you because I think you, you know, you have that dispassion way of just looking at the facts and giving a really honest assessment. The way we expect our intelligence community to work. I want to start with China because I think over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of soundings, a lot of unusual statements coming out of China. I wonder if you could give us your top line assessment of what you think China's thinking about when it comes to Taiwan, the Pacific, and also uh, dabbling with Russia. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of things in China. First of all, you know, their COVID strategy is just not working and they've got a lot of domestic unrest uh, and people really upset with their zero lockdown policy. You look at our freedom of movement in this country uh, compared to China, this is just what happens. We're a democracy and they're a dictatorship, and that's what you get. Uh, it's having an impact on their economy, which is not going to be as strong as they would have liked. Uh, and that's going to impact Xi Jinping. He wants to be, you know, general secretary of life and he's for life and he's up against some headwinds there, both economically and with the COVID strategy. You can try to blame that on other people, but when you're, you know, the dictator for life, it's kind of fallen on you. Russia, there's a little buyer's remorse there. On the one hand, because Russia's invasion has failed and China has failed to hold Russia accountable. But at the same time, what we're seeing on Russia is that the Chinese are simply exploiting Russia's weakness. They're importing Russia's hydrocarbons, their oil and their gas at reduced prices. And they're encroaching on Russia's traditional sphere of influence in Central Asia. Look at the last Shanghai um, Coordination Organization meeting held uh, in Central Eurasia, uh, in Uzbekistan, and, and Xi Jinping was there. All of those countries, their biggest trading partner, it's not Russia anymore, it's China. Ukraine's largest trading partner before the war was China. So this is, Vladimir Putin has, has understands that he's got no other option to remain in power other than to kind of saddle up with Xi Jinping. And the China's, Chinese are going to make him pay for it uh, by 
by taking control of that traditional Russian sphere of influence and ripping off the Russian economy for as much as they can. Yeah, just remarkable. They're always taking advantage of a situation, and now they've got Moscow in the perfect spot. You know, and all the other things that we're worried about, you know, militarizing the South China Sea, they, they routinely use their, their fishing boats. They'll pay them just to drop anchor for 280 days out of the year so they can give some credence to, to the fact that they own the Chinese, you know, South China Sea, which they don't. And of course, they're they're ma- mounting a massive full throttled espionage campaign here in the United States. Uh, and and you know the FBI is is just I think they need more resources uh, to track all of China's efforts to steal our intellectual property to recruit sources. I mean they are a massive threat to our nation. And then just one last thing, on top of everything else, North Korea has been launching you know ballistic missiles, and China has opened now. Uh, the the trains are flowing between the two countries, trade is flowing, and there's absolutely no pressure from China on that evil, corrupt uh, dictatorship in North Korea, which which is, represents such a threat to South Korea, but beyond now because they've got this ballistic missile capability, which they can where they can arm their their nuclear weapons and threaten the United States as well. So there's a lot going on in the world, and uh, you know I think our, the Biden administration has has tried to focus on one thing or another. And pivot here or pivot there, but at the end of the day, you know the bad guys kind of get to decide often where we have to focus, <laughs> and that's a challenge for for policymakers. Yeah, it is the reactive nature of diplomatic events and world events. There's been a lot of reporting in the last I don't know 72 hours, particularly, but really going back a month about growing discontent with Xi and whether maybe there's some. Between COVID, as you mentioned, the economy, the real estate market, particularly in China, taking a gigantic hit, that maybe there's some internal unrest with the leadership of China. What's your assessment of those reports? I mean, I think probably like a lot of folks, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tracking what social media is saying. And there's all there's a lot of these kind of unsubstantiated rumors swirling around social media, Twitter and things about a, a potential coup, a silent one, maybe against Xi Jinping. You know, watch, you know, for the party Congress coming up real soon and let's see what happens. He has removed, I think, most any threat to his uh, to his power. And he, he's done it as on a pretext of, of fighting corruption. Of course, he's the most corrupt of them all. Uh, so, you know, we have to wait and see how this all shakes out. Um, but it's a concern for us because, look, you know, a Politburo, I mean, isn't like a functioning democracy or anything like that, but at least it's a bunch of guys sitting around the table hashing out different policies. It was certainly part of what enabled Gorbachev to dial down the last days of the Soviet evil empire um, without a cataclysmic nuclear engagement with the United States. Um, you know, so this is something China watchers are looking at. I can tell you our intelligence community is 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 very much looking at um, Xi Jinping as a leader and his base of support and whether maybe some intrepid, you know, senior guys there might uh, think about removing him. But I, I just don't know that they have the throw weight to do it. That's the big question, right? Because he's really consolidated power in, in perhaps the most dramatic fashion of any recent Chinese leader. Um, let me pivot to Russia for a second, because you obviously used to be the uh, mission chief there, uh, you know it as well as anyone in the world. Uh, there were two things that struck me over the weekend. One was in Finland, them shutting their border because so many Russians want to flee the conscription order that 
that Vladimir Putin uh, gave. And it shows a sign that the, the everyday people in Russia seem to be dis- unhappy with him. And then, of course, the saber rattling and the uh, Biden administration warning back, hey, no using nukes. It would have con- enormous consequences. Those two moments are just about 48 hours apart over the weekend. Uh, your assessment of both those and what they say about the state of Russia. So the first part about the Russians fleeing uh, and forgive the Animal House reference, but hey, man, I lived in <laughs> Russia and I saw how much they drank. And I'm just thinking of Blue Tarski when they tore down the bar and how upset he was. Um, and stay with me here, listeners, because this is what Russia looks like on that, that last scene of Animal House. Whenever, if, For those of us who are old enough to remember the movie and actually saw it in the theater, which I did. But that last scene of the movie where it's just pandemonium and everybody's just rushing to get out. Um, that's kind of what Russia's like. Now people realize, oh, this war is actually a war. It's not a special military operation. It's a war. And Russians supported the illegal annexation of Crimea, and they supported the, the, the fight in the Donbass. They supported the war against Georgia. How ironic that thousands of Russians are now fleeing to Georgia, the country that Putin, you know, uh, claimed was an existential threat, you know, to Russia and committing genocide uh, against Russian citizens. And now that's where Russians want to go to escape Putin. Just that's a sweet bit of, of irony to those of us who watch Russia. But uh, but, you know, look, this is the first time Russia's mobilized since the Second World War. It's got an impact on on Vladimir Putin's popularity, but he doesn't care about those people. The people he really worries about are the ultra nationalist hawks who are wondering why if Ukraine really is, a, you know, a just just preposterous it is because they're not neo-Nazis, but the Russians are calling them that an existential threat to Russia. Why didn't you topple the government in three days like you said you would? So that's what Vladimir Putin's worried about. He had to say, think, well, I'm not going to worry about, you know, the Russians who are going to protest or flee the country over this mobilization. I've got to worry about, you know, my own um, supporters in the, in the Ministry of Defense, the intelligence services, and again, those, those right-wing hawks, the ones who have maybe retired from the military, they're the ones who are coming to get me if I don't succeed. And he's kind of running out of options. That why, that's why Russia is illegally annexing four regions of Ukraine to make them part of Russian territory. And as I wrote in a, in a recent um, Fox News op-ed. Yeah, such a great op-ed. Love that column. Yep. Encourage folks to go to the Fox News website and take a look at it. But, you know, the Biden administration's got to be even more forceful about owning the narrative and just say, look, this is Ukrainian territory. It was, it is, it always will be. And if Ukraine wants to fight for it, we're going to give them what they need. What we haven't done, though, is we're not giving them what they need. We're giving them HIMARS, which are good, but they have a range of 50 miles. Uh, and the Russians' artillery, is, is the range of that is much greater. And we're not giving the Ukrainians this army tactical um, missile systems, which have a range of almost 200 miles. I would have feared that the Ukrainians would use it to attack Russian territory. Well, okay, do it. It's, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why they're not opening the aperture on, on more weapons. So own the narrative, give Ukraine the weapons they need, which we've never done. And then the third thing we got to do is, you know, back channel the, the, the Russians at all levels and, and emphasize, as National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan did over the weekend, that, you know, any use of Russian nuclear weapons would be met with, you know, catastrophic consequences. I'm not 100% sure what he meant by that. I know he wants, doesn't want to be specific, but they should be specific with the Russians behind the scenes and say, this is going to be Article 5. We're going to wipe out your your forces in Ukraine, for example, which we could. Um, I'm not sure Russia is going to use any of their 2,000 you know, tactical nuclear weapons because Ukrainian forces are so dispersed. I just don't know what kind of an effect they'd have. And they'd blow back on Russians, you know, civilians. So uh, it, we'll see what happens. But the longer this this goes on, 
the more we risk miscalculations, the, the more the humanitarian catastrophe uh, grows in, in intensity uh, and, and it's just in tragedy for, for Ukrainians. Um, and, and so, you know, this administration, I always felt like they've been a few steps behind every, every step of the way uh, in, in enabling these brave Ukrainians who are fighting for democracy and freedom and liberty, everything we hold near and dear, you know, to, to take the fight to the enemy. But, you know, God bless them. They're doing what they can with what they've got. I'm a huge fan when you write, and the column over the weekend on Fox News was so important because it really, first it captured the moment. The headline is, Putin is on the ropes and U.S. NATO must call his bluff with these three lines. You captured literally the moment that Russia found itself in a self-made crisis, but then the lack of clarity, the lack of proactive U.S. policy on this. It always seems like we're the second or third one in on doing things that would, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago would have been natural for a U.S. president why do you think this administration, is it a matter of personnel, is it a, is a mindset? Why do they always seem to be slow behind the curve and, and not exercising both soft and hard power the way past presidents have used it? I, you know, I think um, your point is, is certainly well taken. And I think certainly this administration has allowed Vladimir Putin to deter us from doing the right thing, from giving Ukrainians the artillery they need with the range they need from, look, we didn't. We could have imposed a no-fly zone over parts of Ukraine. We didn't do it. Uh, we could have allowed Poland to send MiGs. We didn't do that either. And Putin kind of, you know, got used to the fact that if he threatened the use of nuclear weapons and threatened to take that sort of action if Russian territory were attacked, that, that it would have the intended effect on the United States. And, and so we've been overly tentative, in my view at least. Uh, and we've, we've failed, I think, to recognize that we are a nuclear power ourselves. We have a lot of power, a lot of control um, over how this, this war ends, and we just didn't do enough. I think sometimes the administration, the previous, the, the Obama administration would get caught up in process, and they'd talk about what was going on in the world, and by the time they came up with an answer, things had already changed on the ground, and they had to go back to the drawing board. Whereas in other administrations, say the Reagan administration, there was a, you know, they were just quicker about things. You've got to be quick, especially when it's, you know, it's a wartime in Ukraine. Uh, I always say like, it's not like fine wine getting better with age. You know, you got to step in with, with the intelligence collection, the analysis and make your decisions and execute those decisions as fast as you can. And we're just not doing that. That's a process thing. It's over to Jake Sullivan, the National Security Council. He owns that. And that's been a challenge for the administration in Afghanistan. Huge challenge. Getting out in front of of the the you know the protests in Iran and how you deal with that and the, the I don't know what our policy is, you know, nuclear deal, what what the plan is for that. But a lot of talk, a lot of process, and we need more action. And I thought what General Milley said about how Ukraine has seized the strategic initiative, that kind of means we need to step up our support for Ukraine and, and I, again, I don't know that we've done we've done a lot. We've been the arsenal for democracy, but I think there's more we could do. Yeah, I think every world leader I've had a chance to interact with in the last couple of months have all used the same term with me. We keep leading from behind under Joe Biden. And it's mystifying people that, you know, look to us as the beacon of freedom, the moral compass for our world and the security compass for the world. It's really interesting. It's hardly a world leader, a diplomat that I haven't come across in the foreign area that says, you guys are leading from behind. What the heck's going on? It, it's universal. Speaking of leading from behind, it seems as though Iran is at an extraordinary moment. We've been continuing to pursue the nuclear deal. It's not been very successful. The Iranians keep asking for more and more. And I think we've probably run the string on that. 
But the internal unrest that's been playing out in Iran the last two weeks, particularly since that young woman was beaten to death by the religious police, it seems like we're almost at another 2009 Green Revolution moment. Is the United States taking advantage of maybe putting pressure on Iran at this moment? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right about the Green Movement. And remember, that was in response to uh, the election of Ahmadinejad way back then. And, you know, I think Iranians are upset about this woman who was murdered. Let's just call it out for what it is. She was murdered. And I think many times, you know, our administration allows itself to be deterred from speaking out publicly against Iran. I think we should be saying more and, and holding them accountable and, and, and helping our allies to do that as well. But, you know, Iranians are upset about endemic government corruption, about their poorly functioning uh, economy, uh, which you know, it's just a, an awful place to live. And that's why the Iranians are trying to suppress the Iranian government, trying to suppress the protests, which, you know, it's hard to know how many people have been killed, hundreds killed, thousands arrested. Um, and I do think there's more. The United States, look, um, we should support those striving for democracy. We're doing it in Ukraine. There's more we can do in Iran. There's a, a, a whole of government approach that we can take. Uh, from the State Department to the intelligence community, DOD, there's a lot we can do to put the pressure on the Iranians and stand up for what's right. You know, it's interesting, but Iranians, the people, have a very favorable view of the United States. It's their corrupt government. It's amazing, the disconnect, right? Because everyday Iranians, they actually, they want our content, they want our culture, they want our money. It's the leadership that suppresses all that from happening. Exactly right. And so those are the people who are asking, hey, United States, you stand for freedom and liberty and democracy, stand with us, or maybe you're not standing for much of anything at all. So I just think there's more that we could do there. It does beg the question about a nuclear deal, like a, you know, 2.0 from the last one, which was so, um, such a, such a bad deal that even the Democrats in the, in the, in the Senate wouldn't support it and make it a treaty. You know, the Iranians want something that would be a treaty and nothing, nothing they're talking about is going to get the support of enough, of enough senators for, for it to be a treaty. But also just to uncork a whole bunch of money to the Iranians by removing sanctions, probably not the right time to be doing it. Uh, so, you know, that this one, this is another, again, another major crisis for this uh, administration to deal with. Yeah, it really is remarkable. You did such a good job with that, the column, just giving three clear things that the Biden administration could do to up its game on Russia. When you look at Iran, what is the one or two things they could do right now to sort of change the balance? Right now, it feels like the Iranians push the cart and then we kind of try to navigate it while they're pushing it. What could we do to change that dynamic pretty quickly? I mean, I think, you know, the owning the narrative, is, I, I think, is always important and calling out the Iranians for the corrupt, repressive regime that they are and never hesitating to do that, we need to be doing that. We also need to be more forceful about pushing back on them, on their proxy militias, uh, and supporting Israel in all that they're doing. Uh, look, that the Iranian nuclear program and the Israelis have targeted the nuclear program with what the Israelis would call brain drain, kind of the old-fashioned way, and that's their choice to do that. But I think there's more to do to help Israel prepare for the possibility that Iran does have a nuclear weapon. I haven't heard the Biden administration really describe what that would entail. Uh, and I think one of the reasons they're pushing so hard for a nuclear deal is because they don't want to go to plan B, which might be a, you know, a military engagement with Iran. So they, they really need to be more forceful about, uh, about that piece of the policy. Uh, and then I also think 
reaching out and supporting those Iranians who are out there on the ground with whatever they need. It might be the Internet. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Elon Musk bringing Starlink to, to Iran. Good on him if he can do it. You know, that's what the Iranians need. They've tried to put out, they've tried to develop kind of a, a Chinese, you know, um, great firewall Internet in, in Iran. It's not working. Uh, but but people getting information is really important. It's what we used to crack the Soviet Union back in the day. And it's what we can do to help the Iranians, I think, is by getting them the information that they need about how corrupt their government is, sharing with them information about where their government, you know, the forces are moving to, to target civilians and other things. We can be doing a lot more in that space. Yeah. And it's funny, just exposure to the actual truth as opposed to the propaganda the Iranians are constantly subjected to. It has a profound effect at giving acceleration to something like the protests on the ground, the effort to maybe overthrow the regime. It seemed like I know a lot of people look back and say Obama missed an enormous opportunity in the summer of 2009. Is this another one of those moments where how we act over the next three to six weeks could really profoundly determine whether Iran moves towards freedom or back towards the regime? I mean, it might, you know, back in those days, 2009, 10, 11, I kind of felt like we had our boot on their throat a little bit, the Iranians, and we took it off, which was okay to take it off if that's what you wish to do. But but it was so, but we, we just didn't get very much in return, you know, and so, and that, that horrific, like, nuclear deal that, that, that we signed with Iran um, back in, in 2015, um, that wasn't worth it, given the level of unrest in Iran, given uh, the powerful um, impact of the sanctions on Iran's economy, which is impacting their people. And we've made it clear, and the Biden administration needs to make it more clear. The sanctions are imposed because of what you're doing with your nuclear program. Your people don't want that. They want food. Well, you want to pursue a nuclear program, this is what you're going to get. But the other problem we face, just to bring this back full circle, is that you know Iran is, has got a way out through Russia. They're giving the Russians drones. And they're exporting Russian oil on behalf of the Russians, and they're getting support from China. You know, and so um, this is this is going to be a challenge for us because the Russians and the Chinese uh, have every every interest in continuing to prop up this this Iranian regime, and that's why those Abraham Accords were so important because we've coalesced in the region around. Uh, with Israel around countering, defending, and deterring Iran. And that's, I think, what is so key. You ask what we can do, strengthen the Abraham Accords, engage with the Saudis, bring them into the fold. That's what this administration needs to do. Yeah, it's such a powerful thing. And and the acceleration of the Sunni Arabs with Israel on business and other cooperation keeps growing every day. And that counterbalance to the Shia malign influence that Iran spreads across the region is going to probably be one of the most historic changes in the dynamic we've seen. It really is a historic change, but so important. Dan, last question. As you look out over the next 30 days, what are the most important things for Americans to be watching for on the security intelligence front? Well, I definitely think you got to track North Korea. You know, they just another ballistic missile test. Uh, I'm, I'm really worried about, I can, I'm, I'm sorry to harp on this, but, you know, we left behind a terrorist state in Afghanistan and, and Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS are growing there. That's the, the dark clouds. You know, sure, we were able to kill the leader of al-Qaeda, Zawahiri, with a, with a pinpoint strike Hellfire missile. Uh, but he was living in what used to be considered, I know, by Kabul standards, the elite part of, Afghan, you know, of, of Afghanistan's capital. And that just shows you the extent to which uh, al-Qaeda is aligned with the Haqqani network. And 
you know, the Haqqani network leader, Sirajuddin Haqqani, is the minister of interior in the Taliban government. So I'm really worried about that growing threat and the threat that it poses to us in the region. But here back in the, in the homeland, we know that when terrorists enjoy ungoverned space like they do right now in Afghanistan because we left, uh, they're going to plot against us. And we don't have the visibility that we need to detect those threats. And then we don't have the capability, really, to preempt the threats before they're visited on our shores, as the late, great Charles Krauthammer used to say. Um, and, and that's what really concerns me. And I just I think it's important for us never to take our eyes off the the threat that, that the terrorists pose to us, especially in places like that, Syria, Iraq. Um, and remember, too, just again, one last note on Iran, the new leader of Al Qaeda, Saif al uh new, most likely new leader, he's in Iran right now. And uh, well, that's so, a clue. <laughs> and and that that also has to cause us great concern. Now, Iran and, and Al Qaeda have a long history of collaboration, um, and and Iran has provided safe haven and refuge for a lot of senior Al Qaeda operatives. Um, it, it, you know that that's also a part of the, you know, should be a part at least of of the strategy that we seek to build on Iran. And I think that's what I'm, I would look to is you know congressional hearings. Um, with our national security team, the Biden administration team, you know, asking these questions about what our strategy is to deal with all of these threats we've discussed today, you know, and uh, I, I just tell you that the only silver lining we could ever find when I was serving at the CIA was, hey, you know, it's like it's job security for anybody who wants to go serve our, our country, our grateful nation. You want to serve in the military? Well, there's, there's plenty of work for you to do. I'm sorry to say, but there is. And, uh, and and that's why, you know, I, I feel like as a citizen now, I owe and my family owe such a debt of gratitude to those who put their lives on the line going out there in harm's way, especially uh, to keep our nation safe, whether it's state and local law enforcement or the FBI or the intelligence community. They're all out there. DOD, our military, they're all out there, you know, keeping us safe. God bless them. Yeah, they are. Every day they're doing extraordinary work and we don't hear about it. All we know is we wake up another day safe and but it's extraordinary work. And of course, you were right there alongside him for many decades. Dan, it's always an honor to have you on the show. I felt like we got a good tour of the biggest crises on the horizon. So thank you so much for the time today. All right. My pleasure. And uh, wish you all the best. Looking forward to next time. It's always great to chat with you. We love the conversation. You're truly one of our favorites. So thanks so much for joining us. All right. Take care. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to go down to Arizona and talk a little bit about the fentanyl crisis with Sheriff Mark Lamb right after this. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Uh, the crisis at the southern border is just getting bigger every day. It's so important to hear from people on the front lines. And one of the most eloquent and honest voices about what's going on at the border is Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb from the great state of Arizona. And he joins us now with an update. Sheriff, great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. And thank you for the good intro. I appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure being on the show. When we, we sit here in Washington and we hear people say the border is secure, we know that's not true. We're so lucky when we have someone on the front lines working as hard as you to give us an honest update. Tell us where we are. It's the middle of September. Seems like a strong flow of illegal migrants coming across again. What's the latest of what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah. And it's not only is it not true, it's just a flat out lie is what it is. They're, they're gaslighting the American people. They're lying to the American people. Um, the border has never been more unsecure. We're getting hundreds of thousands of people showing up to the border every, every month. Um, that number dipped slightly uh, down or closer to 200,000. It was up around 250,000 to 300,000 when you take into consideration apprehensions and gotaways. Um, the number always drops a little bit in the summer because it's so hot in the Arizona desert. Um, but that we expect that to start picking back up. And we think that it's going to pick up even more just because of the political atmosphere. Um, I think the cartels are very astute to what's going on in, in our political world. And I think they see that the House is going to go back to Republicans and likely the Senate as well, or maybe. Um, and so I think you'll start to see even more push to bring people in uh, as if like a last-ditch effort. So, yeah, it, it hasn't slowed down. And uh, it continues to be a major issue. And uh, I, I, I want to open it up for your question, but I, I would like to talk about how I think this has just become uh, we're seeing slavery. And this mm. is a very uncomfortable conversation for Americans, yeah. but we're seeing slavery worse than we've ever seen it in this country. Yeah. Anyone who comes across at the behest of the cartels is stuck with them for the rest of their lives, essentially. Right. And so you have sex slaves, you've got people who are indentured yeah. and paying off when you interact with some of the women some of the men that you capture what do they tell you about the journey how they're treated what the cartels do to them oh it's a miserable journey you know we've talked to families that said it was just so bad they couldn't talk about enough bad stuff about uh they're just trying to tra traverse those last that last leg of it through uh cartel controlled lands you know and we had a woman we caught in the desert um, several months ago. I think she was from Mexico or Guatemala, I can't remember, but she had a baggie full of pills. 
and about 50 pills. And we said, Hey, what are these pills? And she says, well, when I was going to cross the border, I knew I'd be raped multiple times. These are morning after pills. Wow. You know, where did we get as a country where our moral compass is so broken that we put politics in front of people because politically your party wants to have open borders and thinks that you're doing something good for these people. You're not doing something good for them by having open borders. You're actually allowing them to be enslaved by the cartel. Let me ask you this, John. If I were to sell you a pill or an ounce of cocaine, how many times can I sell it to you? Right. Once. Right. But how many times can they sell you a woman or a child? They can do it over and over and over and over again. And that is what is happening. When you bring 300,000 people to the border every month, um, you have to be naive to think that, A, that those people are all have good intentions for America. But B, you have to be naive to think that, you don't, that those people are not being enslaved, the women into the sex trade, the children into the sex trade here in America, uh, which is abundant, by the way. And then the men are being forced to pay more and more money, even though they paid oftentimes when they came across. And so that's when I talk about that type of slavery, you have thousands and thousands of people being put into slavery every single month. Um, and it's happening under the, uh, under the watch of America, but in particular, it's happening under the watch of this administration. Yeah, it's just remarkable. It's the most inhumane way for anyone to enter this country. It really is. And beyond the security crisis, which is irrefutable, it really is a humanitarian crisis, what we've created for these. We've given them the false hope they can get here, and then when they get on the journey, they they endure all of these horrific, horrific abuses. Do you have any sense that some Democrats, maybe at least Democrats at the border, are beginning to have doubts about their National Party's approach here? I, I do, but I think that they're so interested, they're so um, focused on staying in power. You take Mark Kelly, for example, the senator here in Arizona. Look, we haven't heard from him until the last six, eight months. Now he wants to call and pretend like he wants to hear what we have to say, but his vote says otherwise. He continues to vote for things, or he, he says nothing to in the public about uh, this border crisis issue. He'll go on commercials and talk about how he wants to do this or that to secure our borders. Uh, but you have to listen closely to the way he's saying it. But he was nowhere to be found, neither cinema, neither one of our senators here in Arizona were, are anywhere to be found when it comes to speaking out against the, tro- the atrocities that are happening at the southern border. I haven't heard Mark Kelly or Kirsten Cinema talk about how many fentanyl deaths, how it's become the leading cause of death and what we can do to stop it. They don't care. And uh, so I I would ask anybody that's listening, maybe from Arizona or actually from any of your other states, if your senators that are running for office are all of a sudden talking about stuff, you're just being bamboozled. They're just, this is just politics because the reality is their voice, their votes and their voice say otherwise um, because they truly do not care. They're going to go party line and they're going to continue to vote uh, with their party. You know, Mark Kelly has votes, I think, 100 percent with Joe Biden, and 99 percent with uh, Pelosi, whatever it is. But it's like uh, almost as, as in the tank as you can get. Yeah, it's just remarkable. And that lockstep approach is what has allowed this to go so quickly. So from, from where we were just two years ago with President Trump, where we saw record low illegal immigration, a much more secure border, the border wall being built. One of the things that I know you worry a lot about, we've talked about this in the past, 
the gotaways and also the if we if there are 80 or 80 80 to 90 suspected terrorists that have crossed the border this year that we know of because we interacted with them the idea that in the gotaways there are probably many many more the idea that a state sponsor of terrorism is exploiting this border now pretty high chance of that right oh yeah yeah absolutely when you bring in 300,000 people a month there is absolutely people in in that mix that are that want to do harm to this country. The, you know, the, the numbers speak for themselves. I think they've found 55 or 100 people that are on the, the terrorist watch list. Well, how many people are terrorists that are not on the FBI's terrorist watch list? Because the FBI is too busy jacking around with the American people to actually, um, to actually focus on the real terrorists, the real threats to this country. And these are people that come from countries that um, that do not do not like America. I actually heard some intel the other day that Maduro from Venezuela is now pushing yeah. his henchmen in and uh, pushing people in here to create chaos and havoc for us here in America, and frankly, probably to go after the other Venezuelans that, that have fled the country. And so these are real problems that uh, I think the average American is just completely naive to because they've been gaslit by for the most part, by the mainstream media, not you, of course, but the mainstream media and the politicians. They're lying to us. Yeah, it's just terrible. And the good thing is Americans are very discerning, and they can can tell when they're getting a bogus story, and they know that things are bad at the border. Now, you said something really profound, which is, and I think it goes to the calculating nature of the cartels. They run like businesses there. And so they see the possibility of an electoral change in America. So they're going to try to squeeze through in September and October more and more people because it's cash for them, right? They're, they're making big cash if they can ramp up the numbers in September and October. I don't think most people realize how politically astute the cartels are. No, they don't. And most people don't realize how much money they're making. You know, in the past, when you brought in drugs, is more more so than people um, it took a while for you to bring the drugs in, to get it into, let's say, states in the Midwest, and then you sell it, and then you got to get the money all the way back to Mexico. Um, so there wasn't the cash flow uh, benefit to it. But now that, that our government's policies are bringing 200,000, 300,000 people to the border every month, what you've created is a cash flow dream yeah. for the cartels. The cartels I heard are making about $200 million a week right now, just in the amount of people showing up to the border, paying the cartels to come across. So this is a major, major problem. And the cartels, the more cash they get, the more powerful they get, the more unstoppable they get. And it makes our job even harder. And and right now they're making so much money off of the human bodies. We call them body loads. Right. That, that's that's all they focus on. They don't even have to bring in the drugs. Um, and I'll talk to you about the drug loads that we've been seeing lately, which would be why this should be concerning to Americans as well. But what we're seeing with the human loads, just even last week on one of our days, just one day, we had five human load traffic stops with my interdiction guys, five stops, 27 bodies were found in those cars within those. And when I say bodies, they're alive. I'm just saying people being people, right? smuggled yeah. into this country. 27? Um, really? 20, 27 people in five cars That's a, oh uh, is what we found Jeez. in those, those stops that we had. So, yeah, it, it's a real, real problem. And I was going to say about the drugs, here's what should concern Americans about the drugs. When you see us in Arizona or Border Patrol getting huge busts, you know, million fentanyl pills. 
What that says to me is the cartel feels so confident that they can get these loads in that they're putting in huge loads. When, when President Trump was president, we would get little onesies and twosies, smaller loads, because we were having a lot more success catching them at the border. And so they would have to break up their loads into smaller loads so right. they wouldn't lose these huge loads. Well, now when you see us catching these huge loads, you can only imagine how many big loads we didn't catch yeah. because they feel so confident that they can get these huge loads in that they're just sending giant, giant loads in. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy that they have that level of confidence. Any doubt in your mind that the money they're making on these human trafficking and exploiting our borders going into pushing their fentanyl business and that's why fentanyl keeps exploding in the amount that's coming into the country now the candy colored ones so they maybe get kids killed seems like they're putting their cash right back into their core business of fentanyl yeah i mean they have to they have so much cash they've got to do something with it so what they're doing is they're just pushing in more and more fentanyl and every day we have more and more people in this country who are becoming addicted to it partly because they're putting fentanyl in all of their products. They're putting it in the heroin, the meth, the cocaine, the, the, the uh, marijuana, which is why you're seeing so many fentanyl poisonings of Americans across America. But they have so much money to pay to get those drugs in and to, to market it and push those drugs across America. And really, this is no different than what we saw back in the days of the opium wars back in China, where they yeah. brought down dynasties. Don't think that China and, and these cartels aren't trying to bring America down to its knees, and they're doing it without even stepping foot, for the most part, in, onto our country. Um, they're doing it by just, by just creating uh, drug addicts throughout the country yeah. uh, and poisoning American lives. 100,000, there was 107,000 deaths last year. That is a staggering number of Americans that died from these drugs. And yet our president and this administration doesn't even address it. It's stunning. Yeah, it's just stunning. I think I saw you in a recent TV appearance. 3.5 million fentanyl pills have been seized in Arizona alone last month. 3.5, that's enough to kill a lot of people. Most Americans, I don't think, realize that it just takes one pill, right? It isn't like you have to be a long-term addict. One pill mixed with the wrong stuff and you're done. It really is more than addiction, right? It, it's actually poisoning, isn't it? It actually poisoned. And John, you don't even have to take that pill. Let me give an example of that. Last year alone, 33 children died from fentanyl um, poisonings. Seven of them were under the age of one year old. Wow. So just being in the mere vicinity of their parents or somebody who is, is using fentanyl can be, can be the cause of your death as well. Oh. So it doesn't even have to be ingested per se. Um, Mind you, that is the, the predominant way that people are being poisoned. But at the same time, people are also losing their lives and children are losing their lives and other innocent people are losing their lives because they're in the vicinity of somebody um, who has been using or in possession of fentanyl and it puts lives at risk. God, it's so mind-numbing to think. I mean, 100,000 people, it's the size of a mid-sized city in America, just wiped out last year, just wiped out. If we had had a bomb that did that, we'd all be alarmed, but there's like a silence in the media. Wanted to ask about, as the migrants move further and further to the interior of the country, we saw this tragic killing of a Florida deputy sheriff. We saw a father who took a guy in, he gets killed. It seems as though the crime wave of the illegal aliens is moving further and further into the country and becoming more and more prominent. What sort of things do you see when the illegal aliens actually end up in the community? You know, a lot of people, John, will say to me, 
oh, you know, what's Arizona and Texas going to do? You guys have such – I feel so bad for you. Don't feel bad for me. This is a pass-through county. They just come through my county to get to yours throughout America. The cartel's product, which is humans and drugs, is not designed to stay in Pinal County or Arizona or Texas, for that matter. Yes, a portion of it stays there, but the majority of it is is designed to go throughout America. And uh, so it is really an America issue, and it's probably going to affect those people far more than they affect us. And remember, we're not getting doctors and lawyers and educated people from these countries. We're a lot of times we are getting people that were the bottom. And when I say the bottom of the barrel, I just mean that economically, maybe, maybe criminals. And now they're taking advantage of for an opportunity to come to America and maybe get on some of our programs that we have here in this country. Um, Maybe have a a better, they might view their ability to commit a crime here because we're soft on crime now. And some of their countries, if they commit the crimes that they commit here, uh, they'd be, locked up forever and the key would be thrown away and so we're not getting the cream of the crop from these countries oftentimes we're we're getting probably just the you know the lowest level of of people that could contribute to a society that's what we're getting here yeah and their country's got it doesn't mean they're not good people right it doesn't mean they're not good people i'm just saying they're we're just not getting the cream of the crop that's for sure we're not even getting the mid-range we're getting the low end for for the most part let me ask you if there is an electoral change, if something happens. I, I know you signed a letter, no confidence on CPB recently. If there's electoral change and the Republicans have one or both of the chambers of Congress, what are some of the things that we should be watching for as signs that maybe there'll be a turn in this terrible crisis? Well, we've got to start holding people accountable that are responsible for it. Mayorkas, Magnus, you know, these are the people that are responsible for doing their job. And it shouldn't matter to them whether the president's policies suck or not. Um, They should tell the president, I'm sorry, I have a job to do, and this is the job that I'm supposed to do. And if you don't like it, then you're going to have to get rid of me. But these guys don't have the stones to say that. These guys just continue to just be uh, the, the lackeys and the and the running, the, the running uh, runners for this administration. And so what we've got to do is get people in there, hold these people accountable that aren't doing their job, um, bring them to account. That's what the American people want. And that's how we're going to start to fix this problem. But if you leave these same people in power, we're not going to get any different results. It'll be the same thing over and over again. And you have to send a message. Congress needs to send a message to people that are going to take government jobs that if you don't do your job, we're going to hold you accountable. And that should be strong message sent by the Republicans. I just pray that we're getting men and women with a mandate higher than the ballot box, John, because I'm afraid that we're just going to get a bunch of rhinos like this Liz Cheney and so many other people that, yes, they get into office and they, they might've put checked, you know, been read on the, on the ballot, but in essence, they're just not strong enough to stand up to what, you know, to this storm. Yeah, it's so important that the rhetoric be backed up with action because otherwise this country is slipping away. The most fascinating thing as I've been watching this and you start to talk to people, I was in Milwaukee recently, I was in Connecticut recently, and people now 1,500 miles from the border saying, I feel it here. This is not good. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. This is suicide. Uh, it seems as though everyday Americans in, in the all across the country are realizing that no matter what the blackout in the media, no matter what the rhetoric is of the White House, they know it, they feel it, they see it. And I think that that's going to become a really important factor in this election. 
Sheriff, it's always a great honor to have you on. You speak truth from the border. We're so lucky to have you on, and I'll be sure to be checking in soon with you. I appreciate it, John. Thank you so much, and thank you for uh, letting me speak. So uh, I appreciate it. So thank important. You. So important we get these statistics and figures and, and uh, real truths out to the American people. So great to have you on. Thank you. I be agree. safe out there. Thank you. You too. God bless. Uh, you Bye. as well. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. A big thank you to Sheriff Mark Lamb for uh, giving us a really great amount of time. He's so busy on the border with all the crime going on down there. But to take the time to explain to you as a frontline witness to what's going on as a frontline security officer on the border, What's going on is so valuable. And of course, anytime you can get time with Daniel Hoffman, it is a very special time. He is truly one of the best intelligence analysts, security analysts in the country, one of the CIA's best over his 25, 30 year career that he had with the agency and now doing great work in the private space. Glad to have him on whenever we can. So much to have learned. All right, folks, before we go for the night, I want to mention one thing to us. We have a brand new sponsor for John Solomon Reports and Just the News. It's AMAC. AMAC stands for the Association of Mature American Citizens. And AMAC stands up for what is right every day. Go visit their site, amac.us, Just News. That's AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. You can learn about all the great things that AMAC does. AMAC is a counterbalance to some of the other senior citizen groups out there like AARP, whose values sometimes no longer match their base constituency. And so AMAC is out there fighting for liberty and being sure to make a significant contribution to America by representing your values. That is such an important thing. Now, AMAC members save money from discounts on travel and lodging, cell phones and plans. They have access to insurance products and much more. AMAC members have access to money-saving benefits. That's a powerful tool. So in addition to being out there and fighting for your values, fighting for the policies that matter for the future of America, they also provide you incredible economic value. By the way, saving you money in an era of hyperinflation like we're going through right now. 
Secondly, AMAC's a trusted source of information. They have a bi-monthly magazine that is a great read. You can also go to their website and get daily content, including a podcast with America's top thought leaders. So you get food for thought. So they're out there fighting for you on the front lines. They arrange significant savings and discounts and benefits like insurance and other things so that you have a better chance of fighting the stagflation that we're going through right now. And then they have an incredible buffet of important content coming to you through their website and their bi-monthly magazine. You get all of that by joining AMAC. Now, what a deal is that? Why not go do that right now? Because you're going to make sure your voice is heard on Capitol Hill. That's important. You're going to sleep better at night because you know someone's representing your values. You're going to get discounts because of the special discounts and services and plans that they provide and have available to you. And they're going to keep you up to date on the most important issues with their great magazine and website. Go check these guys out now. They're an amazing partner. There are 2 million patriots who've already joined AMAC. Join with them. Get involved. Get in the fight. And also take advantage of the incredible stuff that AMAC can get for you. Savings, benefits, policies, discounts. That is an incredible deal. To do that, we have a special way to do it. Go to AMAC, A-M-A-C, dot U-S slash just news one more time amac amac.us forward slash just news get into the fight join today get the benefits get the value of knowing someone's out there fighting for your values and get the incredible information that keeps you up to speed on the most important policy issues of the day go join them they're brand new to our show brand new to the justin news family give them a big welcome today by going out and joining AMAC. It's a great investment. You can get one, three, five-year subscriptions or memberships. I'm getting the five-year because I know how important their work is. And also, why not get advantage of those discounts on travel, lodging, cell phones, the whole works. What a great deal. Why not try to do that today? All right, folks, go check them out, amac.us slash just news all right that wraps it up for the day we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of john solomon reports check out the tv show tonight jason foster head of the empower oversight whistleblower center he is going to join us to tell us more about the stephen friend whistleblower complaint the fbi agent who has come forward to say the constitutional rights of january 6 defendants are being violated the SWAT teams are being misused the statistics on violent extremism are being padded or manipulated a very powerful whistleblower, one of the 20 that we know have gone to Congress, his lawyer for the first time on our show tonight. Check it out, 6 p.m. Eastern Time with Amanda Head and I on Just the News, Not Noise. And until then, God bless you. Check out the Just the News website. Whenever you get got a hankering for a news fix, we've got you covered 24-7. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore 
of every story, but this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.